Less than 24 hours after we recorded uh, the Mike Babcock episode, of course, the story about him and Mitch Marner from a couple of years ago becomes public knowledge. Uh, I guess we can all apologize to Mike Commodore now because he he looks pretty smart. Apparently, Mike Babcock isn't as nice of a guy as we thought. And then after word of that story got out, Bill Peters somehow upped it in the worst way possible after stunning allegations surfaced from an ex-player allegations that held true and cost bill peters his job since then more and more people have been exposed for questionable conduct both inside and outside of the league what does this show about the beautiful game of hockey behind closed doors and how do we fix it episode 196 of the lace them up podcast starts right now It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And we're going to talk about hockey, although we're going <laughs> to talk about it from a broader sense, uh, right. not about who's hot and who's not and who's going to win you know, all these trophies. Um, we're going to be talking about some real hard, heavy-hitting stuff. And uh, it, it just comes down to being a better person and um we've gotten a lot of cases of people not being good people brad yeah it's um yeah this is going to be a very different episode um as as you'll notice right now but it, it this is this is the type of stuff like especially you didn't even mention the don cherry stuff that happened a couple weeks ago too right yes we, we didn't really yeah. get around to that no but um like usually, I mean, we usually tend to skip more towards the actual game of hockey, um, yes. and we we just avoid these type of issues. It's not that we don't care about these issues. It's just that's not really our. Um, we feel like it, you know, that's not a part of our our brand and stuff. But at this point, when we have the Don Cherry stuff that happened, we won't talk about it as much as right now. Um, the Bill Peters stuff and all the stories that came out after about Mike Babcock, it kind of, it feels unavoidable to not talk about it right now. Yeah. So um, I think we, the only time that we've stayed off of hockey in general, but still remained it as a topic was when Patrick Kane had that sexual assault case a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Um, but I think other than that, I think we, or I guess there's a couple of domestic abuse stuff that we talked about before, but yeah, probably Voinov was, Voinov was a big one. Yeah. Um, and that, um, I'm blanking on his name, but there was another one where, um, the guy, like there were, anyways, I forget there's a, there was another domestic abuse thing that we talked about too. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, I think this is one of those things where it's just unavoidable that we have to talk about it. Um, for obvious reasons, um, yep. so uh, so we're going to start off with Bill Peters' uh, situation because there's a number of things that happened there. Um, so we're going to start off with uh, when Bill Peters was the AHL coach in Rockford. Um, so that was a, a while ago. Um, apparently, I guess it was in 2010. Um, Akeem Aliu. 
2009, 2009, 2010, okay. I believe, 2009, around there. 2009, 2010. Um, so Akima Liu, um, who is a player, was uh, supposedly, or not supposedly, he was called the N-word by Peters, um, and the dressing room heard it, uh, the team, and then the team captain even uh, talked to Peters about it later. Um, I guess, as we find out, like Rob Brindamore knew, um, so did Peter Carmanos, who was the owner at the time. Or no, no, he, he claims that he didn't know it at the time. Um, and Ron Francis knew about it, but like he, he claims that like it wasn't clear or whatever. Steve will get these statements later, but um, it did reach the higher ups. Um, but um, apparently Bill Peters kept on calling him, the, I think it was like repeatedly, not just one time he called him the end. Yeah, it was more than one time, yes. Um, and uh, and then uh, sooner than you know it, uh, Aliyu was demoted to a lower level that same year after the incident. Um, Aliyu came forward mostly out of all these, which we'll get to later, but Babcock, there's a situation with Marner um, and um, how, how Babcock treated his players um, and Aliu just uh, tweeted this out, um, and uh, supposedly he was demoted to a lower level the, that same year after this incident um, as well. So it just shows that there is something there. So you have all the statements here um, about all the stuff. I guess there's also um, Michael Jordan, not not the basketball player, obviously, but... Um, I guess Mikhail Jordan. I'm gonna say that. Mikhail uh, Jordan, I believe, is his name. Okay, is how you pronounce and it. And yes, not to be confused with the, the basketball actual, player. Yeah, the actual guy that we all know and love. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently he uh, once this story came out, um, he said that Bill Peters kicked him in the back, um, and also a lot of people saw it too. Um, so yeah, I guess you have, let's start with, um, you have Ron Brindamore's statement, um, Peter Carmanos' statement and, uh, Ron Francis' statement. So uh, I guess you can do it in that order. I'll just, I'll just give it to you here. Do, do you want, do you want me to talk about the hurricanes or the flames first? Uh, let's go with the hurricanes first because, okay. uh, yeah, we're, we're on that tangent already. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, um, yeah, just uh, just just to take into account, by the way, uh, Bill Peters issued an apology. Um, th this apology was issued um, to Akeem Aliu, which we'll talk about later. It does not mention the hurricane stuff. Okay. Just an FYI. Um, and those, I believe, uh, became public knowledge, I think, the day of that apology or the day before. Right. Um, so just... just uh, put that into perspective he did apologize somewhat but he didn't mention the hurricane stuff so getting to the statements that you alluded to um former hurricanes owner peter carmano says he would have fired head coach bill peters in a nanosecond had general manager ron francis told him of those player abuse allegations ron francis meanwhile has since commented he didn't comment right away but a few days later he commented and here's a bit of what he had to say quote when i was general manager in carolina after a game 
a group of players and hockey staff members made me aware of the physical incidents involving two players and Bill Peters. Um, so there were two players. Mikhail Jordan was one. Another has yet to be named. That's up for him to tell his side of the story. So an unnamed player and Mikhail and Jordan. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's a second player. We don't know the name of that player. Anyways, it goes on. I took this matter very seriously, Francis says. I took immediate action to address this, and I briefed ownership. To my knowledge, no further such incidents occurred. It would have been inappropriate for me to comment publicly while an active investigation was ongoing by another team. I will not comment on this situation further, end quote. So that's what Ron Francis said. So but between... What Carmano said and what Ron Francis said are not completely different, but there are some dirties in what they're seeing. If you get my draft, was asked um, how he thought the organization handled it, and so here's what Brindamore said: "Quote to me, it's what happened after that. I'm proud about actually the way the players handle it and the way the support staff handle it, which was to bring it to management right away." And the management handled it directly and never heard of it again and never saw anything else after that. It was dealt with correctly, in my opinion, and that's the last I need to talk about it, end quote. So that's what Brenda Moore said about the matter. So he didn't see anything of it ever again. Um, also, um, Oliver Kylington, I don't think that's how you pronounce his last name. I don't even know Kylington, how pronounce yeah. It's not Kylington, who, who is also black. He was asked, as, as Bill Pierce treated you fairly, he's like, no, th- this organization has treated me fairly, the coach has treated me fairly, it's been fun. Maybe Peters got the message after that, but prior to that incident, um, obviously had plenty to learn as a coach. Yeah, so, the th- well, first off, you, I mean, you mentioned a couple of things, but um, first off, the, the only thing I have an issue with for I mean I do have an issue. It is interesting that sorry I need to clear my thoughts here. <laughs> um, the Ron Francis- yeah that that is that is important in a situation like this. You really yeah. need to you need to gather no. your thoughts very well and and no, not misspeak. It's not that I'm worried about what I'll say. It's just I I'm, my my brain was processing at a slower yeah, speed yeah. than I'm. It's used to. it's a lot to take in. Yeah yeah for sure. Um, the. So let's start with the Ron Francis stuff because that's more in my mind. Um, That's, it's just a weird, like um, the thing that like he was aware of this incident that had happened, but like, and then he says that it was taken care of when it clearly wasn't taken care of. Um, And it's also like, I guess from that statement, he wasn't aware of the, I thought I got the assumption that he was aware of the Akeem Aliu situation. So maybe, I guess my opinion's about No, I, I think, I think, I think when, when I'm talking about like what they were aware of, I'm pretty sure they, they were aware of the incidents in Carolina. I don't know if it was anything prior to that. But like, was he aware? Or, or, may, or maybe they were, but. Well, okay. So Peter Carmanos is saying that he would have fired Peter Peters if he had known. And then Ron Francis says that he did know, but maybe he didn't know about, I guess he didn't know about the Aliu situation. Is that? Yeah, that's, that's my guess. Okay. Just, just like what was going on in his house. Got it. But even if he had just known about like 
Peters has been abusing some of the players. Yeah, like you would think yeah. that would be enough to say, okay, bye, see ya. Yeah, and th- and that was the other strange thing about Francis's statement is because then he says like, but it was taken care of or something like that, and it was taken care of in house. He says, he says <laughs> I took immediate action to address this and briefed ownership. To my knowledge, no further such incidents occurred. So that he knew of, right? That he was told about. No such incidents occurred after that. But, like, that's also... It's just a strange thing to say. It's, like, how... Um, like, that... Like, it, he didn't specify how did he discipline Peters. He didn't, like, fire him um, or anything like that. So even if he yeah, yeah. hadn't known about the Akeem Aliyu situation, it's still a strange thing to... Like, I don't think he handled it well in that regard. Um... And then as for Carmenos, I guess we have to take him for his word. Um, but at the same time, if Ron Francis knew, I'm not sure if Carmenos... Like, I, I feel like Carmenos must have known as well. Um, that would be the... Like, the owner has to know what if the general manager knows, right? Yeah, but, and, and, and this, is, this is why it's so important that everyone knows about it from all levels. Like, from the assistant coaches... Yeah the head coaches to freaking management to the owner like he i i i i'm i'm, I'm also gonna say this and i'm not gonna preface that i think ron francis is a liar and he's wrong i'm not saying mm-hmm. any of that at all i don't know if if what ron francis is saying is the truth or not but consider this when you look at peter carmanos and you look at ron francis from a hockey standpoint right now who has more to lose? Yep. Ron Francis has more to lose. Way more. He is the GM of an expansion team tasked with building a roster, tasked with hiring a new coach yep. before doing any of that. What happens if he says, oh, yeah, I knew about this and I didn't fire him? Right. How is he going to look at the public guy in Seattle? Is his job now on the line? Right. It focus front and center on Ron Francis right now. Peter Carmanos, what does he have to lose in hockey? Nothing. Nothing yeah. He's the owner of no NHL team now. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I guess that that is a good point. But like, so oh, so you're saying that Carmanos is more likely to be honest about it? I, I'm just saying that Ron Francis maybe is treading lightly with what what he's saying. I don't know if that to be true or not. But I'm I'm just thinking if it took him a couple of days to respond, you know. Yeah, I would think maybe he thought about really what he was going to say and how it was going to be perceived before he put it out there. Got and it. like this is a statement, like he didn't. I don't think he offered any interviews. Like it was just a statement by Ron Francis. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that that is also. I was getting to that point as well as like Ron Francis is going to be the Seattle GM. So this is like I, I forget who this who's the owner of the Seattle. Um, the the Seattle team, but like I I would probably be like a little bit second guessing this Ron Francis choice if um, if I were that owner right now because um, I don't think it, he necessarily had the greatest statement about this situation. Um, I mean, I guess there is something about like yeah, people can change and stuff like that. So maybe like you know this this stuff won't happen again, which we'll get to in a bit, but. 
like at the same time it's tough to um really uh um like it's it's not a great look i guess um yeah yeah no for sure it's not all right let's go to uh brad trey leavings um like we'll go to the calgary stuff here uh brad trey living had a statement as well um apparently he was not aware of uh this incident before he hired peters um and then there was an investigation it was a little bit awkward because there was like a couple times like during that week where there was an investigation jeff ward the assistant coach who's now the interim coach now for the flames um yeah. but like he was ho he was doing like the warm-ups uh for peter uh for the flames uh during practice um and all that stuff so um yeah this, this was uh, before an away game against buffalo right 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 um, and then, uh, so there was an investigation, um, but like it still took a while to um, actually fire Peters until um, after this story broke out of Aliu. Um, and then uh, apparently I have here in our notes that um, he spoke to Aliu on two occasions about the matter. Um, he also spoke to Peters about it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, uh, Peters got fired and Jeff Ward is now the coach. Um, so, um, oh, and, uh, Peters submitted his resignation. Um, yeah. So you have the statement for, I guess, Brad Treleving has a statement. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm, I'm gonna, he, he, he kept, uh, everyone up to speed, um, as the days went on, uh, which I'll get to in a sec, but, uh, we'll get first off to the original tweet from Akeem Ali that started all of this. And keep in mind, this all started after the Babcock Marner story went public. And I know this for sure because Akeem Ali cited it in his original tweet. Here it is. Not very surprising the things we're hearing about Babcock. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Same sort of deal with his protege and YYC. That's the code for Calgary. So that's a subtle way of dropping Bill Peters' name without dropping his name, actually. Um, right. So he goes on to say he dropped the N-bomb several times towards me in the dressing room in my rookie year because he didn't like my choice of music. I believe the exact quote is, Akeem, you need to stop playing this. And then he drops the N-bomb stuff. And he says the N-word multiple times. Uh First one to admit I rebelled against him, Aliu goes on, wouldn't you? And instead of remedying the situation, he wrote a letter to John McDonough and Stan Bowman to have me sent down to the ECHL. A 20-year-old on pace for 20 goals in his first pro year with zero power play penalty killing time in his pro career. So that was the original tweet from Akeem Aliu. He has since met with uh, Gary Bettman and uh, Bill Daly. He's... Um, He's liked what he's heard from them. He's he's um, optimistic that times are changing in the NHL, and he, he's interested to see what comes of this. Um, so then Brad Treliving, on November 25th, the day of all of this gets out, um, or actually, no, maybe it was the day after, because I believe the tweets dropped like, like during a game. So it was either the night of these tweets or the day right. after. But here, here was his first response to all of this. During tonight's game, okay, so it was the night of. During tonight's game, I was made aware of a tweet from former player Akeem Aliu, and obviously we were playing, so I didn't 
I haven't had a chance to sit down with Bill Peters or people internally to talk about it and get to the bottom of it. I will say we take these matters very, very seriously until such a time as we have had a chance to speak about it internally. We obviously want to address you people, the media. We're aware of it, made aware of it during the game here this evening. And like I said, I haven't had a chance to talk to Bill. I will be doing that and we will address it and get back to you, the media, once we have a chance to address it internally. Should be noted, Bill Peters was not made available to the media following that game. So he didn't talk then. He hasn't talked in person since, I believe. You didn't hear much of Bill Peters until his apology. The players and the coaches didn't talk to Bill Peters either after all of this got out. He was pretty much just invisible, like nowhere to be found. And each and every day as the investigation went on, we're talking about uh, the Calgary Flames, not the one made by the NHL. That's a separate matter. But the Calgary Flames investigation continues day by day. Brad Living keeps the media up to date saying, okay, he's still on as coach, but Jeff Ward's going to be running practices. He's behind the bench. And it was on Friday where Bill Peters apparently resigned. He wasn't fired. He resigned from his position the day after he sent out that apology. And what's, what's interesting to know throughout all of this is you have these N-word allegations from Akeem Aliou. Then you have the Carolina stuff surfacing. Right. I'm just thinking, like, if you're so dead set on your principles, what is it, what is it taking so long to fire this guy? And they need to be careful of how they go about handling the Bill Pierce situation from a legal standpoint. Because before all of this came out, True. The Calgary Flames were struggling. As a hockey club, they were struggling. Brad Living was asked, are you going to fire Bill Peters? He's like, nope, Peters is my guy. We're not changing a thing. We're, we're sticking with what we got, and we're going to get out of this together. If yeah. he turns around and just blatantly fires Bill Peters, that could be brought about in a court of law for wrongful dismissal by Bill True. Peters. So he needs to make it so everyone knows we are firing Bill Peters because of the off-ice stuff that has been brought to light, not because our team is playing like crap right now. And they yeah. need to make that abundantly clear when they're doing this. So I think they were probably going through, if they were going to let go of Bill Peters, they were going through the proper channels and checking off every single legal box they could to make it so if a wrongful dismissal case is being brought against them, they say, well, we've done everything in our power to demonstrate that his actions off the ice are why we fired him, and we got nothing to hide. However, I have this in our notes, and you you wrote all these notes, so uh, <laughs> I'm a little confused by what you're saying here then, because Peter submitted his resignation to Brad for living, so he didn't get fired, he resigned. Right, yes. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wondering if the flames were to go down this route because they didn't really have, they didn't really have a chance to like fire Bill Pierce. Cause like he, he resigned, but I'm thinking if they were going, if this was the route they were going under, if this was the route they were going to take, they needed to make sure they checked off all the legal boxes. They weren't expecting 
Bill Peters to resign. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good point, but this is like a what-if situation, really. Yeah, <laughs> it is definitely a what-if situation right. for sure, but I'm just thinking as an organization, Yeah. as an organization, how can you look at yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, we're keeping this coach even though he dropped the N-word several times on a player and kicked a bunch yeah. of guys on the bench? On guess- top of that, by the way, stakeholders, Eric Francis of Sportsnet was talking with a bunch of stakeholders and after just hearing what they had to say, he didn't feel very confident that Bill Pierce was going to remain the coach of the Flames because, like, in the Don Cherry thing, we're going to go back to the Don Cherry thing for just a second here. Budweiser, the sponsor for Coach's Corner, made apparently made their issues known to Sportsnet, saying, okay, you guys have to address this now. If sponsors are involved, people involved in monetary revenue are about to walk away because of this that is when you need to step up and take action and say okay are we going to make a change and not lose money or are we going to keep this guy and lose a lot of money so if money is on the line i don't think the flames have a choice bill peters has to go yeah that's that's a good point um yeah, I think it's it's probably just a mixture of, like, column A and column B. Like, it, they just so yeah. happen to be struggling. And this whole situation is is in the forefront right now in the hockey world. So it's like, yeah, they were losing at the same time. So maybe they're, they did need a change. But then there's also the other aspect of, well, they didn't need a change. You know, um, well he also turns out to not be a great guy um <laughs> and a racist so it's um yeah. so so i think it, it's a little bit of column a but probably a lot more with column b yeah because <laughs> column b affects how people look at you how fans look at right, you right, how right. stakeholders look at you how the media looks at you yeah that's right, right. bigger than what that's bigger than winning games for sure I yeah think. it's not like it's not like yeah right that's true you can fire someone for uh for your team struggling that that usually happens and that's uh, for the most part that's when coaches get fired but then when there's like a situation like this then you have to fire them just for pr reasons yes um all right we have a couple questions here so how do we think the flames handle this situation what about the hurricanes um, I feel like the Flames um, handled it pretty well because they had to do their dil- due diligence um, and, uh, you know, just make sure that this is an accurate story and all that stuff. And once they uh, got it all, got all the facts straight, then they were able to make a decision on, on what to do. Um, and they handled that appropriately. Um, as for the Hurricanes, I don't, I mean, I think we just talked about it with what Ron Francis said and, um, Peter Carmenos, I still feel like there's a bit of, we're not sure who's telling the truth. Um, because Ron yeah. Francis knew, uh, but Peter, Peter Carmenos didn't know, um, which is a little bit odd. Um, and, um, and we're not sure if either one of them knew what this Akima Liu situation, um, to begin with. So that's where um, it's it's a little bit tricky. Um, so I don't think the Hurricanes handled the situation well, but I don't think we have all the facts about what they knew. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know all the facts, yeah. uh, not just us. Um, I think Calgary handled it the best they could because they had no compass. True. Like, how many cases like this have we seen in the NHL? None that no. I can recall. No. Like, we don't have a rule book as to, like, okay, how do we navigate around this PR disaster? Right. How do we navigate around this social issue here? Yeah. Um, we haven't seen an NHL team deal with anything like this in our lifetimes, at least. True. And well, the things have a lot at stake here in yeah. terms of how fans uh, look at them. Um, so given the fact there was no precedent on how to deal with this, I think Brad Living and company did the very best that they could. And I thought they were very thorough in their approach to make things right. Um, Brad for living with talk to Bill Peters, like you said, multiple times, he talked to Akeem Alley, the player at the center of this. Um, I, I believe true living was also in conversation with the NHL about this matter. They did yeah. good work regarding Carolina. The players and the coaching staff below management did what they could. Francis and Carmanos, like you said, looking a bit fishy right now with their explanations of what they know and what they didn't know. That's about it. The couple of things that I would like to see come out of this and we'll get to more about this later first off coaching searches need to be more thorough yep they need to look maybe interview players of minorities stuff like that um coaches at various levels of hockey like right from the ground up get as much information of this coach as you can because Mike Babcock and Bill Pierce seem like nice people until these stories got out. So they can they can put on this persona that just can deflect all the negative energy away from them. And you feel like, you know what, this is a cool guy. Everything's fine. He must have a great life. He must be a quality grade A individual, quality coach. But the, the fact of the matter is, like, with Bill Pierce and Mike Babcock, we know nothing about them. Yeah, We thought we knew everything about them, but we don't know a thing about them. So the coaching searches need to be more thorough. Right. Secondly, if something like this happens in the organization, the important people, assistant coaches, coaches, management, owner, every single person has to know and right away. And action needs to be taken right away because this will just keep on happening again and again and again and as a hockey fan i don't want that well i'm just gonna backtrack to what you just said about like we don't know anything we we thought we knew about babcock and peters um we didn't really know them like we know them from like a professional standpoint like we know they're a hockey coach we know that they're like what they put out on the ice and all that stuff. But we don't know, like, their personality that well, um, other than what they, you know, what they say out in the media. Um, And even that's not necessarily their real self either. Um, But, yeah, I guess... um, But, but, but like, so, like... But, like, Kenny Holland, like, Kenny Holland, like... does he really know Mike Babcock like the way he thought he knew Mike Babcock? Oh, oh that's what you mean. Well, that all depends like, like on... the people that hired these guys. Oh, okay. Like, how much do they really know? Yeah, I guess that's that's a good point. But, I mean, how much... 
I guess they, so you're saying that you would rather have like coaches have this background check, right? Yeah. Like I, I want good coaches that are also honest and treat people correctly. Like DJ Smith in Ottawa, he says he didn't know about the, um, he didn't know about um, the Babcock Marner thing, but he says when he was an assistant coach, I believe it was in Windsor. And the rookies were, like, getting hazed, like, relentlessly. Uh, I believe it was Windsor when he was the assistant coach. I could be wrong on the team, but he was an assistant coach in the OHL. And the rookies were getting, like, hazed relentlessly. And, it, like, on the team bus, like, it was just not a pretty sight at, at yeah. all. Like, some of the rookies had to go through. And, and when he was the coach of the Oshawa Generals, he said, we don't make rookies do the bus on our team. We don't make them clean up. Like, it's a collaborative team effort. Everyone gets treated the same way. I'm just thinking, see, there you go. There's a guy that has his head screwed on straight and realizes, okay, when I'm coaching my team, I don't want to do anything like that. I want to make sure everyone is on my side, on each other's side, and just committed to winning together and just being a good teammate, being a good coach. Like, those are the kind of honest people we need in the game not dishonest people two-faced people that yell at you on the bench no matter how good they are no matter if they have 700 career wins under their belt if if you're gonna if you're gonna coach like uh like like that like who's who's really gonna care what your record is at the end of the day if you're a bad person yeah i guess that's a good point i mean I'm just saying that I don't I don't know if you necessarily can I, I guess this is just a semantic thing but like I don't think you can necessarily know if someone's a good or bad guy just off of a couple yeah, of interviews. Yeah, you, you can never know you can never know for sure. You're right, yeah. but but like I mean, but, but you do bring up a good being, point. Like by maybe being with, by yeah. being more thorough with the coaching searches. Yeah. The chances of you hiring the right coach, the right fit, I think are going to be much higher than what they are now. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and like, you do bring up a good point, I think, which we'll get to in the Babcock situation in a second. Like, I think you could, like, maybe Ken Holland did have a good relationship with Babcock, and but maybe he focused more on the winning aspect that Detroit was doing versus... Babcock's psycho, like I guess psychopathic ways, maybe is the right <laughs> word to say. I don't know, but like, um, so, so they like, so he, maybe he could have fired Babcock once he started to um, learn more about him. But at the same time, the Red Wings are like, were like the most successful team in that period. Um, so it's it's like. Do you value your your winningness or do you value human beings? <laughs> you know, so that, and, and that's where it gets you know, a little sure can take away a lot a lot from that as well because like uh, Brendan Shanahan yep. hired Mike Babcock, Lule Morello was the GM at the time. True. This actually happened. Kyle Dubas wasn't even the GM. Maybe yeah. was he the assistant GM at the time? You know, like, right, right. like it's it's management period. Like management yeah. of every team should know as much about their people as possible. And I think I think there really needs to be more and more of an emphasis, if there isn't already, 
there needs to be more of a re-emphasis on this open door policy. And like, if you don't feel comfortable about something that happened, it's it's okay to talk about it. Like, people need to be told to be taught that hey, if something bad happens, don't hold it in. Tell somebody. Yep. Exactly. That's that's like like management <laughs> needs to make it needs to make it known. Yeah. Hey, you can trust us. You can trust us. We're gonna do the right thing. But that's their job. To counter to be play devil's advocate here. Um, it, it seems, well, we'll get to the Franzen story in a second, but, um, it seems like the, uh, like, let's say Ron Francis did know about this, um, this incident with even the kicking incident. Let's like, yeah. forget if he knew about the Aliyu incident. Um, he, um, like, it's not like Ron Francis fired Peters when he heard about it. He didn't. He didn't really discipline. We don't know exactly how he disciplined it. So I think that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, there. You know, you do want to tell people the story um, and stuff like that, and um, and you should, you know, and and especially now, um, just not just in the hockey world, but in the real world, um, where the Me, Me Too movement, where a lot of this stuff is also. Um, in the limelight that you yep. know sh- people shouldn't have gotten away with for however long they did get away with it um, they you know like the people in power want to stay in power so they like even if you do tell the management they're probably not going to listen to you or they're going to be scummy because they're scummy beings you know so it doesn't know like yeah I agree with you in terms of a mental health issue you should tell who, anyone, not just management. You should you should tell the whole world, especially if um, the management isn't listening. Um, but there's also well, that yeah. whole like fear, fear based um, motivations, which um, can you know get in the way of that. Well, you would you would hope at some point you would hope at some point that management. If there's more and more people coming forward with similar stories like these, maybe they'll clue in and say, okay, maybe there is a problem here. And if they decide not to act on it and it comes out in the public eye, then management's going to have to face the music anyways. So they owe it to themselves to be honest with the players and the players owe it to themselves to be honest with each other and know what's right from wrong. And, I, I think it's it's a collaborative effort from everybody mm-hmm. and everyone needs to be willing to take part or else no one's going to learn anything. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, all right, let's go to the Babcocks uh, stuff. We, we kind of have teased it this entire episode. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the stuff that started this whole firestorm, if you will. For sure. Um, the funnier thing is, is you mentioned that Ron Francis... Is the Seattle GM, and I remember when we talked about Babcock being yeah, fired. Yeah, I mentioned Babcock yeah. to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I <laughs> I think Ron Francis should stay away from him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're going to start with this Marner story. Um, so supposedly this was Marner's rookie year, um, where uh, Babcock uh, had this conversation with Marner, who was worried about he was worried about his work ethic. 
uh, which is a fair thing. Oh, you have here that it's the second year. I thought it was his first. Oh, it's second oh, year of coaching. It, it was Babcock's second year in Toronto because people forget what before Matthews and Marner and Nylander, he right, coached right. a really bad Leafs team. Perco- well, yeah. not really bad. They're better than the year before, but still bad enough where they finished uh, last down the bottom of the standings. But they managed to get Austin Matthews, so all is good in the world. They managed to get Austin Matthews, yeah. So it was Marner's rookie year, Babcock's second got year. Got it, got Toronto. it. I got confused yes. by this note, these notes. Yes, yeah, so that was that was 2016-17. <laughs> got it. And during the father's road trip, no less, by the way. Right, right. So anyways, uh, that's interesting, too, because we know how Mitch Marner's father is. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, so the... Uh, the uh, so the uh, situation was uh, uh, Babcock was uh, concerned about Marner's work ethic, which is you know which is fine for um, you know not normal stuff at the moment because you know that's that's the coach's job, um, and he told Marner to submit a list of all the players on the team about uh, like one through twenty five on who who tries the hardest um and stuff like that and marner um uh put himself last um and it was like a way to tell to babcock and it was a way to tell babcock that they understand each other that that he needs to try harder um or show that he cares more mm-hmm. in in the in the grand scheme of things um and then um, it turns out that um, Babcock um, then <laughs> took this list to uh, Nazem Kadri, and I think there was another guy as well. I know Kadri was, Ty- was involved. Tyler, Tyler Bozak, Tyler Bozak was, the was the other one. Kadri yeah. and Bozak. Kai, Kai uh, and Bozak, yeah. They um, and and they showed and he showed this list to to them. Um, luckily, or maybe he didn't show the list, but at the very least, he told him, "Yeah, um, we." I, Mitch Meyer I, doesn't. Yeah. I, I asked um, around like who, who oh. was the hardest working, who was the least working, and and Mitch said, uh, "You you guys uh, need need to like pick it up." Okay. Or something like maybe, that. maybe yeah. Maybe I don't know the exact wording. Of I, what either he said. way, he name dropped Mitch, and he said, "You guys aren't working hard enough." According to Mitch, yeah. And 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 Mitch, of course didn't know he was gonna do that right 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 and then but like the good thing is is that Kadri and Bozak like didn't make it into a thing or they yeah they they, they knew they knew it, it was it was they, Bush League yeah, stuff by Babs yeah. and they also like defended Mitch uh to Babcock and saying like you know how like he's a 19 year old kid and all that stuff um so yeah let's let's talk about this situation before we talk about Franzen this is like, you know, this is just a strange thing. When I heard this story come out, um, I remember I was emailing you the, all my thoughts here because I was I was pretty peeved off about this because it's like, yeah, there's one thing to be a good coach and to like, you know, that's that's your job. It's to motivate your players and all that stuff. But to like tell like, uh, to like, you know, you literally broke a 19-year-old kid's trust 
um, in your coach, <laughs> in your coach, which is something that yeah, you're supposed on, to do on a young team that on a young kind team. of relies on young talent and he's supposed to be one of your best players. He's he's groomed, he's grooming himself to be one of the better players on your franchise for for years to come. And luckily, mm-hmm. he has been. So it, I guess it hasn't affected him that way. But like, you know, he could have like and then set like break the kids' trust and then try to like divide the locker room I don't even know what he was thinking of doing that uh because it's just so like counterintuitive to what he wanted to do <laughs> so it's just like he wanted to um mo- I guess he wanted to motivate Mitch but then he also uh wanted to create drama in the locker room as well so that the players start hating each other instead of working together as a team so that's that part of the situation does not make sense to me at all um and like so luckily i guess mitch i think you have a lot of these these statements here but i believe marner said that like yeah he was um shocked by what had happened but he was thankful that the teammates never took it out on him and and all that stuff so I think, uh, yeah, let's just hear, I think you have a couple of statements here on this situation. So let's hear the statements on, on all the stuff you have about the Mitch Marner situation. Well, in, in, in regards to Mitch Marner, I, I don't really have any statements. I think a lot of oh. people have already seen it, but I just, just to, okay, just, to kinda, just to kind of, just to kind of wrap up my, my two cents, cause there are some other stuff that's surface since then True. uh what i will say about the mitch marner thing is thank god it didn't break him yep because if babcock thinks oh it's worked with mitch surely it's gonna work with every rookie it doesn't right. okay it doesn't work with any rookie doesn't work with any sophomore it doesn't work with a 10-year veteran yep. like it, it you can't go around treating human beings that way and expect long-term success you just can't like People wonder why Babcock's teams haven't made it past the first round. Frick, if they keep hating each other because yeah. he's trying to create conflict in the dressing room, no wonder. No wonder they're good enough to make the playoffs, but not too much of anything else, you know? True. So I think, in hindsight, the Leafs firing Mike Babcock was the right decision because this wasn't really brought to light until after the decision to fire Mike Babcock was made. And, and maybe this is why they just weren't playing up to his standards because they had just tuned him out. And the fact of the matter is Mike Babcock was probably going to outlast his welcome more so than the players this year because Kyle Dubas had faith that his roster had what yep. it took to, to get the job done. And if they don't have what it takes to get the job done, either something's wrong with your roster or something's wrong with the coach. And chances yeah. are you're going to make the determining decision that, okay, it's probably the coach, so I'll try that. And if if it's not the coach, then I'll deal with the consequences later. Yeah. I think it pays to be a more positive influence. And, and I will say Sheldon Keefe, I think I mentioned this a couple of podcast episodes ago. If you if you look at Sheldon Keefe as a hockey player in junior, far from the person that he is today, he wasn't. If some of the stuff that that he did off the ice would would cause a bit of controversy, and 
he's he's not about that right now. He's just a hard worker that wants to win and wants to develop people properly the right way. And he wants to be a coach that preaches structure and, and patience, but you know, also wants to make it fun to come to the rink every day. Like Johan Franson, we're gonna get to this in a bit, he said he was scared to come to the rink every day because of Mike Babcock, because right. of his tactics. And you have guys like Nazem Kadri saying, yeah, Mike Babcock's a good coach, but sometimes his methods weren't the greatest. Yeah. Doesn't that say enough? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And you do bring me to a, uh, <laughs> this reminded me of this other story or this, uh, when this news broke out, um, I remember reading this Toronto fan um, talking, uh, making a good point here. Um, and it, it may have something to do with um, why Babcock was fired um, this season um, as opposed to the last couple of seasons because um, like he I guess I'll paraphrase here but he this fan was saying is that this is total speculation but he feels like uh, the older guys, would be a really balancing presence when paired with Babcock tearing down the younger players' mm. confidences. So Matthews and Marners were pretty, uh, pretty good friends with like Patrick Marlowe, um, yep. and maybe there was about uh, there was more to that than we thought. Marner and uh, Matt Martin were also really good friends. Kapanen and Komarov too, and then Hainsey, Bozak, and Kadri were also off the team as well. So like. That like yeah, from like a management side point, yeah, it makes sense to like. It's now the Toronto's a much younger team, but then when you don't have as many veteran guys, you can't protect um, any of them from like a, a maniac like Babcock in this situation. Yep. Um, and it kind of like ruins the team chemistry that way because the coach is um, a manipulative person, especially to the younger players. And when there's no veteran presence there, um, it's hard for uh, the the younger players to really stand up. Uh, yeah, they're the they're coach. just getting eaten alive. Right, right. So which is tough on a young team. Yeah. Again, like I said, that thrives on young talent, which is not yeah. what Babcock's used to. Which is yeah, exactly. So I think that that is a good point, um, and and probably there is some truth to that, um, and yeah. why Babcock did actually ultimately get fired and why they were struggling um, to start the season. Um, and then we'll get to the Johan Franzen situation as well. Um, yeah. So this was, uh, I guess, um, uh, this was corroborated. I forget who said it first, but I guess, I guess Johan Franzen said, uh, talked to a Swedish publication um, on Monday and then Chris Chelios confirmed it on an episode of Spitting Chicklets. But apparently, so Franzen, I have the quotes here from Franzen here. Um, I get the shivers when I think about it, Franzen said. That incident occurred against, I mean, so he, so I guess to set the scene here, uh, Franzen, um, during the 2012 playoffs, uh, while serving, um, while uh, had, a, had a nervous breakdown, um, to uh, at, uh, during the playoffs on the bench and Babcock verbally assaulted um, Franzen's while he was doing it. 
Um, I get uh, so then according to Franzen, he says I get the shivers when I think about it. That incident occurred against Nashville in the playoffs. It was coarse, nasty, and shocking. But that was just one out of a hundred things he did. The tip of the iceberg. Um, he would lay into a couple of the other players, the nice team players, the guys who don't say very much. When they left the team, he went on to focus on me. It was verbal attacks. He said horrible things. Uh, Franzen admitted that as a coach, Babcock was meticulous and well-prepared, but said he's a terrible person, the worst I've ever met. He's a bully who was attacking people. The Swedish winger uh, claims uh, Babcock's tirades began one year prior to the event um, in Nashville, and then things got so bad he struggled to get out of bed. Um, so, um, and then he was terrified of being at the rink. Um, and then um, he just focused on getting out of the bed every morning from that moment. Last year, I could sleep naturally for the first time since then. Um, it was just his attacks and his mind games each and every day that really did it for him. Um, so, yeah, so it, it was pretty brutal. And then Chris Chelios uh, went on the Spinning Chicklets podcast and he kind of confirmed all this stuff. And he was, um, and Chris Chelios was even saying that, like, he even talked to Babcock about it. He tried to talk to the higher ups during the situation, but they kind of let it go because they were winning. Um, but like, you know, that team, that Red Wings team, that like, you don't need to be a, you don't even need to be a good coach to, to win the Stanley Cup on that team. Cause that was like a phenomenal team. It had Steve Geiserman, Nicholas Lindstrom, Chris Chelios, uh, Brett Hull, uh, you know, name the guys. I'm probably forgetting a, a bunch of them already that I'll, I'll forget at that time. But, like, that Red Wings team was amazing. And I guess the the management just loved Babcock so much that they were able to uh, value winning over um, the human nature of the coach. Um, what, what, stuff like what, that. Which uh, which team uh, was was this uh, 2008? You're talking about. I think this was 20. Uh, this was the uh, one against the Penguins, right? Oh, oh, that year, no, Yasmin. Well, yeah, I think Yasmin oh, was probably in an office. He wasn't as a player that time. But yeah, they they did have Lindstrom. They had Zetterberg. They they had a lot of those. Guys. Oh, did I just You're confuse right. the Red Wings teams? I guess I did. Red Hall was in 02, Yeah. <laughs> All right, never mind. And, and back but, in 02, was, so, back in 02, by the way, it was Scotty Bowman. So they figured, oh, you know, it's you know, Scotty Bowman's a hard ass. Mike Babcock is is a bit of a hard ass too. But you know, Scotty Bowman, Mike Keenan, all of those guys, you know, they had their questionable tactics that would piss people yeah. off. But would they verbally lay into players like Babcock uh, did with Franson? Again, uh, we don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe that was. Maybe that was normal back then. Yeah, and I guess it's just 2019 and a changing of the garden. People are forgetting. Oh shoot, maybe we got to change coaching tactics because this is a different era of hockey now. Yeah, that is a good point. I think there is. Well, I guess that brings us to our next question. Our first question here is: Is this a hockey culture problem or just a selective coaches? Um, I think it was. Like it seems like all these incidences. Um, maybe except for the Marner incident, these all these incidents happened uh, a couple like a long time ago or a decade, at least a decade ago, um, and it was a different time back then um, where you know the, like you know people weren't 
um, as nice to each other as they are right now. And now I think like, you know, there's a lot more players, coaches in this world right now. Um, you know, Bruce Cassidy is one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Sullivan. Um, there's a couple of other guys who are like known player coaches and stuff like that. Um, and um, so those are just the two in, in mind right now. But like that, I feel like now, and especially now that hockey is kind of embraced the younger players, I think it's it's just a, a different world now where we're more accepting of different people um, and, and all that stuff. And I think that it was a hockey culture problem. Um, and But like there are definitely still some coaches that are probably not treating their players the best in the best way. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I honestly, I do think it is a culture problem. I mean, around this time um, that all of this started breaking, the head athletic trainer of a WHL team yeah. got sacked because of his questionable behavior. The head athletic trainer right. of the Swift current Broncos lost his job because of questionable demeanor uh you look at mark crawford who was criticized for his tactics with the kings about a decade ago by both sean avery and brent sobel brent sobel a year ago on spitting chiclets not today not yesterday a year ago said on multiple occasions mark crawford called him a p-word that ends with a Y. Yeah. Because and and he had more screaming matches with Crawford than any other coach he could remember. And it was it was on the daily too. Um, Dan Carcillo around this time last year. Another one. Um, cited hazing on uh, the OHL roster he was a part of. So this is not just NHL. I I wouldn't be surprised if this is all levels, and I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if more and more of this is happening today. And the only reason why it's public knowledge is because people are going out there with freedom. They feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Like the Akeem Aliou stuff, he felt comfortable talking about it because a high profile coach like Mike Babcock had a part of his past just leaked out to the public. Right. And it made him look bad. So he's just thinking, well, if Mike Babcock is getting exposed for all the stuff that he's done, you know, maybe it's time I talk about what I've gone through. And Akeem Aliou was actually part of a bigger hazing incident in his time in the OHL, which is a story for another day. But to say the least, this game has to change in so many ways. And this change needs to be seen at the youngest levels. And I think the youngest levels are so important because, you know, people when, when you know, as they grow up, you know, they see these kind of coaching styles, they just assume it's normal. It's okay. This is just part of the game. And coaches that are brought up like that, it's monkey see, monkey do. You know, you see Babcock ribbing France on the bench, you're just like, okay, that's a normal part of a coaching, you know? And and guess guess who was an assistant coach for Mike Babcock at the time of the France incident? Bill Peters. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, to I guess I should rephrase what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, it is a culture hockey culture problem, um, but I think there are, like, because of this, like these stories coming out. I think it is like that's the way we fix it. Um, and you know, I like to think that 
you know, these new coaches are, like, are more nice to, to their players now and stuff yeah. like that. But, yeah, it, it probably was a hockey culture problem for for centuries, and it's it's tough to, like, change that overnight. So I, I expect there, there will be a couple more um, revelations or uh, things that will come up. Um, yeah. Maybe Maybe not, like, today or this coming week, but maybe in a month, maybe in like a couple of um, years even. But um, yeah. so I don't think it's, it's, it is a hockey culture problem, but I think now people are starting to understand that um, what happened in the hockey culture is not cool anymore. Yeah. And um, it's not acceptable and it can't be tolerated anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so that's how I clarify. Um, also, uh, you mentioned the Mark Crawford situation. Apparently, uh, Sean Avery like backtracked and said that he uh, like he actually like liked it or something, or like he, like Mark Crawford was one of his favorite coaches or something like that. So, it, 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 but Sean it's Sean Avery. Avery is Sean Avery, so I think we should just take it for Sean Avery is a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, Sean Avery also called George LaRock a monkey one time during a game. Exactly. And so, LaRock was visibly upset. Right. And rightfully right. so. So, so Sean Avery is Sean a, Avery. Yeah. Okay, let's be honest. So yeah, exactly. I think it's just Sean Avery is uh is just uh is also not a great person too. So Yeah. <laughs> uh is okay. Uh do we think this kind of stuff is still happening? Yeah, I guess I kind of answered that already. Um yeah. I think this probably is still happening but like let's say if i'm like i i feel like john tortorello like he has the hothead personality that yeah. i feel like he i don't want to like single him out but i feel like he may be like a little bit shaken because i wouldn't be surprised if i hear a story about john tortorello treating his players unfairly in the past um but um yeah, this probably the stuff is probably happening, but I think at the same time, because of this, these uh, stories have gotten a lot of attention recently. I think there is, if if any of these people who are abusing them have any amount of conscience in their brain, uh, they'll probably stop it or handle it in house, um, or try to like try their best to make a change. But I don't know. Um, yeah, you, know, you, 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 you know. don't. You're not sure if we're gonna see any more of these public watershed moments, right? Um, I don't know about that. As I just mentioned, like, like you I'm, don't sure, think, like, I'm sure. I'm sure eventually it will happen. Like, like the odd ones you'll see, yeah. But like, oh. it won't just. It, it just won't be like a floodgate all at once. Oh, you mean like it won't be as surprising? Well, 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 just like. Just like it won't be like lashed out all at once. Like you won't see like fifty players just like, oh yeah, oh, so and so did this to me. Oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah, me three, me four, me five. Oh, I see. You know? Um, I wouldn't say that's that's never not going to happen. Um, but you, you but you don't think it's likely. Um, it, as, as far question. as like know. if they have the option to sell it in house, you know. Yeah, I, I like, think I think if if it if it happens, I think they they could settle it in house, but I I wouldn't be surprised if it blows up like this again. Cause it, yeah. you know I don't it's it's tough to really know. Um, what about you? 
Yeah, um, I think this is honestly a story that um, it, it's not over. Like, I don't think we've seen yep. the last of it. And um, it's going to be a story that continues to evolve as the year went on. And it's not going to end in 2019. I think in 2020, 2021 years beyond that, I think we're going to see more cases of that. And I think the next step for the NHL is to step up and take action and like I said, it's not just the NHL that has to take action. It's the OHL, it's the WHL, the QMJHL, Hockey Canada, you know, the, the you know various leagues in North America and Europe. Like yeah. everywhere, every single level really needs to open their eyes and wake up and change their ways a little bit because – if if they don't if they don't adapt to make hockey more inclusive for everyone, maybe that's maybe that's what's stopping from kids, uh, you know, uh, reaching uh, to farther levels because yeah. the coaches are too hard on them, you know. Right. Maybe maybe at the competitive levels of hockey at at lower age levels, you know, maybe those coaches really should be listening the most. Who 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 knows really? But what I do know is that changes have to be made it's no longer acceptable to be verbally abusing players on the bench and kicking them in the back to get them to play your system i'm sorry that's that's just repulsive and wrong yeah that's a fair point um and then i also want to mention that i guess i have a question here about don cherry um will there be more firings of this nature in the hockey world i think we already answered that but uh, i think this don cherry was actually the water, um, was the- The guy the, that started the, it all? Yeah, that's the thing that started it all because he was a big part of this whole hockey culture of like- Yeah, the old time hockey. Yeah, old the, school, this okay, whole yeah. philosophy of like, oh, these guys are tough and they can handle it and all that stuff. But, um, mm -hmm. and you know, and then he started to abuse his power and, and started to be racist as well. So, um, and xenophobic. So I think, um, so I think that's what started it all, but I just wanted to mention the, the Don Cherry stuff because I think that actually started it all as well, even though I, I don't know, I think, I guess Babcock got fired because of the team, um, was playing badly, but I think there was also, maybe there was stuff under the, behind the scenes, um, that, um, that we, we still may never know. Um, yeah. What can happen to ensure these situations will never happen again? Well, for starters, uh, punish coaches if they mess up this badly. Yep. In the case of Babcock and Peters, I give them at least two years away from coaching. Mm -hmm. Then they need to be reinstated and searched through thoroughly by the NHL to make it so, okay, these guys have changed. We're ready yep. to put them behind a bench again. And after that, put them on probation for two years. And then after that, they can be the head coach of an NHL team again. But I think someone is insane to hire either Mike Babcock or Bill Peters after all this news has come out. And if someone attempts to hire them, the NHL should flat out say, yeah, no, we're not letting that happen. If a player acts out, they get punished by the coach. They get punished by the team. They're told, no, that's not how you behave. Right. In the case of a head coach, we're talking about a guy that's – that is coaching so many guys on that hockey team, a guy that's supposed to have your back as a player who's supposed to teach you properly all the fundamentals and just teaching you how to be a good person to treat 
everyone with respect. And we're not talking about just about players, but treating fellow coaches with respect, treating the trainers with respect, freaking hockey janitors, Zamboni drivers, just be yeah. a nice person. And you're going to battle with these players every single game. You're spending a lot of time with them. You're spending, you're being a big part of their lives every single day. It's so important for a coach to have the right message and to be supportive. To quote Mike Babcock, it's a privilege, not a right, to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And guess what? It's a privilege, not a right, to be an NHL head coach. Not for the Leafs, for any team. Yep. To be a coach anywhere, it's a privilege, not a right. So first off, you need to make an example out of Mike Babcock and Bill Peters if you're the NHL. And the rest of the hockey leagues need to follow suit. I also think the NHL and the rest of the hockey leagues across North America, across the world, should uh, instill a code of conduct. And Ray Ferraro mentioned a code of conduct um, in his words on the Ray and Dregs podcast. I can't remember if it's episode 10 or 11, but um, you should probably go ahead and listen to that on your spare time. I think it's something every league should have, should be mandatory for coaches to follow. And again, people need to realize that this is 2019 and how we looked at hockey back in the, in the old days, in the Don Cherry era, it's gone. It's yep. so, so different from the hockey that we have today. And we need to adapt to these changing times with these rules. If we're going to have a declaration of principles, we need to make sure that everyone is on the same page, following the same code of conduct. And um, I think a code of conduct for coaches is instrumental to growing the game um, for not just this generation, for future generations as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think I think you're right. I think Babcock and Peters will eventually get a job. I don't know if it's going to be this year um, I better hope not yeah I, I mean I don't think it, I, I meant to say I don't think it's going to be next year even um, yeah. I feel like as as long as Babcock I feel like Babcock and Peters have to like publicly like announce that they've changed or that they yeah. they realize what they did in the past has has got like is not to be tolerated and they know why it's wrong um yeah and not to announce it but to show yeah. it show people you have changed yeah and as a person for sure but i like but like i do also believe in second chances um yeah. although i think babcock has had more than so, one <laughs> chance so yeah. so that's where it's a little tricky but um the other thing about that is, um, as you mentioned early on in the show, um, they, you know, people need to speak up when they're being treated unfairly. Um, like, even, and if the management isn't listening to you, then you have to go to, like, you have to bring it up in public. You have to take action. Um, yeah, you know. and, and that's tough for sometimes like a hockey player as I've, I've looked through Twitter yeah. and stuff like that. You know, it's not so easy for a 20-year-old oh, yeah. player trying to make it, you know, to just call out their coach like that if they think oh, yeah. they've been treated unfairly. But I totally I, – I, I, think, I think 
part of that territory comes with just being more open to talk about it. And I think you need to create that environment, like I said before, to make it so you don't have to be afraid to address this. Yeah, for sure. And I don't, I, I, yeah, of course, like, like that also becomes its own thing as well. Cause if you address the situation, then, um, you know, your career might be in jeopardy as well. But I, I think the more and more of these stories that come out, the more likely that we're going to like build a, a better hockey culture. Cause that's just how you make a change in this hockey culture. The first step is admitting that there's a problem. Um, and now we have to like take action. It's like one thing to admit that it's a problem, but it's another thing to just continue to let things lie, you know? So, um, but yeah, I agree with you. There, there is definitely that fear of like, oh, I, I won't be able to make it if this coach, um, if this, like, if I speak up against my coach and, and that's, that shouldn't be, um, how, how things are done is, is my point. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's easier said than done. Um, but you know, I, I think it's, um, there, there comes a time when like things are bigger than sports and yeah um, 100%. and so you sometimes you just have to take action that way um, all right uh, that's it for us here um, uh, you can check us on SoundCloud or iTunes and Spotify um, at lace them up our our Facebook is lace them up as well and our Twitter, which is where we go on more often than not, is Lace Up Podcast um, at Twitter. Uh, Steve is, is, has a little bit more time than I do at this moment. So um, he, he, I mean, you've taken care of our Twitter account for the last couple of years anyways. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, just to, just to mention that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Elspeth. We'll be back to talking hockey in episode 197 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Got it. All right.